0: drop in my mouth again i think i did that last time i was here oh but it's good right to get down to things isn't it that's good singing. i always love that song and uh boy, we sure enjoy being here and what i mean that we just are so blessed every time we come and uh, angela thank you and blake for providing our lunch today i got word of that and uh we sure do appreciate it And lord bless you thank you so much And I'm sure some of you may be wondering what I had for lunch. Well, I didn't have a McDonald's hamburger. (laughs) But I did have, I keep forgetting the, hmm? Frank Frank and Linda's. Uh, I I did have their liver and onions again. And uh, let me just set this straight, though. I'm really not a liver and onions man. I don't eat liver and onions out everywhere I go, but everybody talked about uh, how good, (laughs) I see you back there. Everybody talked about how good their liver and onions uh, are. And they are very good. And so uh, I've got my iron for the day. So I'm ready to preach tonight. Amen. All right. Thank you again so much for allowing us to be here. And uh, I'm going to ask you, if you would, to turn in your Bibles to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. I'm going to ask Brother Guy if he'll stand up and read the entire psalm. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) But we are going to look at a few of the verses. And uh, I love the 119th psalm. Uh, if, if you've not read it or you don't read it very often, I would encourage you to read this psalm as often as you can. Uh, I, I like to read it several times a week. Uh, the reason is, Psalm 119 is known as the word psalm. And uh, it, it, it just lifts up the word of God. Every, every verse with the exception of, I think, about five, four or five verses, says something about what we need to do with God's Word or what God's Word can can do for us. And uh, it uses words like, um, well, let's just, let me look at the first seven verses just by way of introduction to what we want to get into tonight. Uh, Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the, what? Law of the Lord. There's God's Word. Blessed are they that keep His testimonies, and that seek Him with a whole heart. They also do no iniquity, they walk in His ways. Thou hast commanded us to keep Thy precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep Thy statutes. Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all Thy commandments. I will praise thee with uprightness of heart, then shall I have learned thy righteous judgments. I will keep thy statutes, oh forsake me not utterly. And just an example of those first eight verses there. And now we can go over to verse 161, and again you'll see an example of how God's Word is brought out so clearly in this psalm. In Psalm 161, it says, Princes have persecuted me without a cause, but my heart standeth in awe of thy word. I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. I hate and abhor lying, but thy law do I love. Seven times a day do I praise thee because of thy righteous judgments. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Lord, I have hoped for thy salvation, and done thy commandments. My soul hath kept thy testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. I have kept thy precepts and thy testimonies. They're in two in one verse. I have kept thy precepts and thy testimonies for all my ways, are before thee. I want to target verse 165 tonight. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Uh, tonight, as kind of a, a spinoff or a conclusion of somewhat of, of what we talked about this morning, when Jesus said, I am come that you might have life, and that you might have it, more abundantly. Uh, If there's uh, anything that will keep us from the flowing fountain, from the promises of His promised land, uh, it's the offended spirit. And uh, we all struggle with it, beginning right here. I mean, we all struggle with the offended spirit. And so as we think about the abundant life... I think we need to also tonight be considering our dealing with the offended spirit. Let's pray together. Our Father, uh, we thank you so much (coughs) for your precious word. Thank you for the 119th Psalm that so vividly uh, brags on your word, your precepts, your judgments, your testimonies, your laws. Father, help us, as we would see in an early verse in this great psalm, that we would hide your word in our hearts, that we would not sin against you. And, Father, tonight, as we target this verse, one, verse 165, there's a great peace. Uh, we're living in a day and age, Father, where men are seeking peace. Uh, they're seeking peace in all the wrong places. But Father, we're thankful that there's not just peace, there's a great peace for those who love your law and who honor your word, who hide it in our hearts, who have a sincere desire to the best of our ability and with your help that allows us to do things beyond ourselves. Father, that we can accomplish uh, this great peace that you want us to have uh, by not having a spirit. That is easily offended, so Father, help us tonight as we handle your word, bless your people, thank you for the good day today, and we'll thank you for the time that we spend in your word tonight. in Jesus name, I pray, amen. In verse one hundred and sixty five we we see here it speaks of a great peace for those who love the word of God. and uh, the principle, this principle is found throughout the 119th Psalm. Let me go back to something that I said this morning. And it involves the peace of God, or peace with God, and the peace of God. Peace with God involves salvation. Our sins being forgiven, praise the Lord. Amen. Peace of God is the peace that comes to us when we attempt to have this abundant life that God wants us to have. And and as we seek this, we've got to understand that it's talking about sanctification and our growing spiritually and walking with God. And one of the characteristics, very clearly here in this passage, of someone who has a sincere love for God's Word is that they have a spirit, an attitude, that's not easily offended. Now, before I go any further in this message, let me say this. And that is that we should be offended uh, by things that are totally contrary to the Word of God. I mean, we are living in in a day and age. I don't have to tell you, we are off the rails. I mean, crazy, crazy stuff going on, bitter hatred. Jacksonville. I'm sure maybe some of you have read the papers or heard the news. is in the national news over a, a crazy man going in and and into a, a general dollar store in Jacksonville and 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 shooting up the place and and killing several people all because he hated black people. And you know, just a bitter hatred and and it's it, it's running rampant in our life in in, in our country and the. Cultural things that our government is shoving on our society is not helping any. This council cultural culture that that we have uh, is is causing division on on both sides. When when I speak of of racial issues and tearing down statues and and changing the names of of, uh, of schools, spending thousands of our tax dollars over nonsense. And we, we've got to understand that, um, yeah, there were some things that were wrong. I don't believe any of us in this auditorium uh, would be for slavery for anyone. The Bible is clearly against that. But we need to understand that one of the saddest things about history is that we fail to learn from history. And we're not going to learn about things that don't need to happen again if we're taking them out of our history books, if we're taking them out of our culture to where, if we're not careful, we're going to be exactly in the position of what I just said, we are not going to learn from history. I've already gotten off on a rabbit trail tonight, but sorry about that. Uh, But there, there, there are a lot of things that should offend us. I'm offended over the millions of of babies that are aborted every year. Our newest uh, newest grandson, grandbaby, our sixth grandchild, uh, was adopted by our oldest son because he and Becca could not have any more children, so they chose the route of adoption. Long process, but we're thankful that's over and that our... Our grandson is at home with them now. Uh, We we were talking and how that we just cannot fathom what was going on in that mother's heart, having to hold that newborn baby and and give it up, give him up. But I'm sure glad she didn't go the abortion route. And so we, we need to understand that, boy, all these things that are going on. Just recently we had three members of a family in Jacksonville wiped out on the highway in Jacksonville, by a drunk driver. That offends me. And it it should offend us. The illicit drugs and alcohol that's running rampant, especially among our young people today, I'm offended at the thought of that. I'm offended at what's going on at our our border uh, with all the drugs that are coming through. And all the other problems that are dealing with that as well. A, a a country that has open borders does not have a border. And that's exactly what we are dealing with right now in, in the United States. And everything from drive-by shootings to you name it. There are some things that should offend us. But we need to understand that there are some things very clearly in Scripture that should not offend us. And that's what I want to connect with the abundant life tonight, in, in how that uh, we need to be careful not to be offended in some very important areas of our life. First, and more importantly, we need to be careful that we're not offended at God. Now, who most likely is a person that's going to be offended at God? Is it going to be the atheist? He doesn't believe in God to begin with. Is it the agnostic? He's questioning God in all kinds of ways. I believe the answer to this question is found in uh, Matthew chapter 11, verses 1 through 6. And let me read them quickly here. And it came to pass, when Jesus had made an end of commanding His twelve disciples, He departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now when John, talking about John the Baptist, had heard in prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come? Are you our Messiah? Are you the Messiah? Or do we look for another one to deliver us? That's what he's saying in verse 3. Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. And look at all these wonderful things uh, that were happening. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised up. The poor have the gospel preached unto them. And look at verse 6. Verse 6, and blessed is he whomsoever shall not be offended in me. Jesus is saying to John. Now, why would Jesus say that to John? Because John was in a perfect position for Satan to go to his heart, to enter his heart and mind, and to get him offended at Jesus. John could be in that prison saying, I've done everything right. I have preached. I have done everything that I'm supposed to do. I've done everything right, and here I am right here in this prison cell. I'm not able to see or experience all these wonderful things that Jesus is doing. So Jesus sent back the message, John, blessed, blessed are you if you're not offended at me. And so we've got to understand that when we think about that, uh, we also maybe have to think of a man named Job. I have just finished, uh, one of the reasons I'm kind of interested in the message tonight and wanting to use it tonight, along with what I've already said, is that I've I've just finished reading through the book of Job again. And Job, it says in verse 1, that there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was wicked and not living for God and doing wrong and doing all kind of bad things. Is that what that verse says? No. It says he was a man that was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. And in just a matter of hours, this godly man lost 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 donkeys. He lost his servants, and he lost seven sons and three daughters. Now, there was a man who was in the perfect position for Satan to do what he wanted to do in the life of Job. And that's the whole reason Job was bringing all this up before God. And and God knew he had a man who was faithful. And when all of this happened, and by the way, our troubles many times are designed for Satan to be put on the run and for God to be glorified. But in all this that happened to Job, chapter 1 ends with these wonderful words. In all this, Job sinned not and he did not charge God foolishly. Later on in the book in chapter 23, uh, you know, Job, uh, Job was not happy. I mean, he was, he was wishing that he had never been born. I mean, Satan was working him over big time, only going, by the way, as far as God would allow him to go with Job. And by the way, that's just the same way with us. But Job had his moments where he was upset and he was wondering what in the world was going on. But he had this testimony that shines like a a radiant light in the midst of a very dark time in his life when Job said about his God that he knoweth the way that I take and when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. What a testimony of a man who had gone through enormous trial and difficulty and was not offended at his God. We find an illustration here in the book of Job about suffering. And if you were to ask most people, what is the main topic or the main theme of the book of Job? A lot of people would tell you it's pain, it's suffering. But folks, we've got to understand that suffering uh, was just part of it. And that we, we see through the life of Job that suffering was a test of trusting God. The, tr- the trials and the suffering that Job was going through was a test of trusting God not, for who He is and not what He does or what He allows to happen uh, in, in, in our lives. Some things we just won't understand. There are things to this day that we don't understand that have happened to us. But I'm telling you, when we get to heaven, God's going to have the right answer for everything that you and I have had to go through in life that we don't get to understand in this life. That's our God. He's faithful. The issue in the book of Job was not Job's pain, but the trust that he had in his God. And uh, we, were, we were talking in Sunday school this this morning about trials and, and how that uh, they are a test of, of, of our faith. Uh, illustrated by Job, though, we see this beautiful picture of how a man can go through difficult times, awful times. And Job went through in just a few hours more than what you and I will ever go through in a lifetime. But he was a vessel that God knew that he could trust and that Job would do right. I'm thankful that uh, I, I grew up in a Christian home. Uh, Mom and Dad, uh, our family was saved back in the 60s as a result of uh, Oliver Green uh, revival in, in Jacksonville. And so thankful for the upbringing that I, I had in a Christian home and getting into a church where I got to meet a lot of the great preachers of old time. And just some great men of God and great singers. (coughs) And one of the singers that would come to our church was a man by the name of Bill Harvey. Uh, I I, I love his songs. I love his poems. And uh, Bill Harvey wrote this poem. I once was a vessel released from the wheel and put in the oven to dry. A blemish the testing has come to reveal for the heat in the oven is high. Set on a shelf a collector of things, and God has in mind so much more. I long for the joy real usefulness brings. The potter has good things in store. Make a new vessel, O potter divine. Broken am I in thy hand. Press with thy fingers to make thy design for usefulness all thou hast planned. Dear potter, please take me again in thy hands to fashion and press with abuse. And whether or not my soul understands, this vessel may still be of use. Isaiah 43, 2 says, when, it doesn't say if. It says, when thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. And boy, there's all kinds of illustrations in Scripture that we can read of people who went through extremely difficult times but came out with a radiant testimony for the cause of Christ. One that stands out in my mind right now are, are the three Hebrews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, how that, uh, they stood up against that wicked king Nebuchadnezzar, Uh, Nebuchadnezzar had his image of gold that he had set up there in the plain of Dur in the providence of Babylon, A, a golden statue, probably of himself, many Bible scholars believe, and it stood some nine feet wide and 90 feet tall. That was a big statue. And everyone was commanded, when the music played, they were to bow down to that golden statue. Well, we know that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not. And they ended up where? In a trial. They ended up in what we might call a fiery trial. They ended up in that that fiery furnace and and they, they went through a fire. But as Nebuchadnezzar and all those that wanted to see the demise of those three young men were looking with glee at that fiery furnace that had just killed the men who took them to the furnace... The king was humbled a little bit, and when he looked into that furnace, he said, Hey guys, this is the Applebee standard version here, by the way. Uh he said, uh, Hey guys, didn't we cast three guys into that furnace? And I uh and, and I imagine those guys were who were wanting to see them burn were kind of humbly saying yes, sir, yes sir, it was three. And that old king looked into that fiery furnace, and he said, Lo, I see four men walking. And the fire of life has not had any hurt upon them. And the fourth man in that fire looks like this God they've been talking about. Folks, that's the God that we serve that is so faithful to go with us through and out of the fiery trials that you and I face in life. Oswald Chambers, we were talking about Oswald Chambers at, at lunch today. Um, we have a rescue dog at our house. His name is Oz. That's short for Oswald Chambers. My wife named him. I'm sure Oswald Chambers is really impressed that he had a dog named after him. But uh, anyway, Oz goes by Dr. Oz, Mr. Oz, Ozman, all, all kinds of stuff. But here's what Oswald Chambers... Please listen carefully to this, because this is something... When we think of the abundant life, folks, we struggle with it. And, And here it is. Faith, by its very nature, must be tried. And the real trial of faith is not that we find it difficult to trust God but that God's character must be cleared in our own minds. Think about that. We've got, to be, we've got to be careful that we're not offended at God. And then here's the second thing that goes along with this abundant life, and that is we've got to be careful that we're not offended at ourselves. And I have... Uh, I have dealt with uh, young people mostly throughout my ministry, through our ministry at the college and college students. And, and now as we speak with people of all ages uh, about mission work and, and, and going in, into wor- uh, worldwide missions, and there's a great shortage of that these days. Mission boards are getting fewer recruit, recruits than they ever have more missionaries are leaving the field that are going to the field. And that's a sad thing. One of the things that we're trying to accomplish in our ministry is to go to these fields and to try to encourage these people to stay and to stay true to God and to stay faithful in His work. And and God's going to bless and He's going to give the strength to go through these trials that many of them are going through. But you know, when I talk to a lot of folks about giving their life Christ and after salvation and you know the abundant life includes a lot of wonderful things and one is the main thing is I giving ourselves wholly to him and and giving up everything from the American dream to whatever might stand in the way of someone that God wants on a mission field or pastoring or being an assistant pastor in a church somewhere and Satan is going to do everything that he possibly can to show that person in his or her mind there are better things that you can do with your life. Well, the worst thing that we can do with our life is to do anything other than what God wants us to do. That's got to be first. But you know what the main thing is? Pride. Pride. And the flesh just stands up, and, and I've, I've talked to, to young people, who don't want to have anything to do with what I'm trying to talk to them about. And the main thing is the American dollar bill and even making statements unapologetically. There's no money in that. Well, I can just tell you right now, there's no big money in missions. And there's no big money in most pastors who are pastoring uh, all over today. But there's great rewards, and we cannot allow pride to cause us to miss the greatest thing that God would want us to do in our life. That's not to say, and of course it's not to say, that everyone's supposed to be in full-time Christian service. Wherever God is using you, if it's in a secular field, or if God chooses to use you in missions or whatever, the main thing is that we are right where God wants us to be, and not necessarily where we want to be. Because oftentimes that does not run parallel with what God wants us to do. You know, our pride, sometimes we can just think more of ourselves than we ought to. And we're all guilty of that. But um, I read this some time ago. Sometime when you're feeling important, sometime when your ego's way up, sometime when you take it for granted that you're the prize-winning pup, Sometime when you feel like your absence would leave an unfillable hole, just follow these simple instructions and see how it humbles your soul. Take a bucket and fill it with water and put your hand in it up to your wrist. Now pull it out fast and the hole that remains is the measure of how you'll be missed. You may splash all you please as you enter and stir up the water galore, but stop and you'll find in a minute it's right back where it was before. That's, that's pretty good. And so we've got to understand that Satan is going to use pride to try to keep us from the center of God's will. And then the other thing is, is intimidation. Uh, I also talk with good people who have a heart's desire to do right, uh, to live for God, and they feel that they're not good enough to maybe to pastor or to be an assistant pastor or to go to a mission field, The fact of the matter is, I'm not good enough to do what I'm doing tonight. None of us deserve the blessings that God gives us. And Satan wants to use our weaknesses to keep us from doing what God wants us to do. He may be keeping someone in this auditorium tonight from keeping you from doing what you can be doing in this church family. Because you think, I could never teach that Sunday school class. Uh, I could never serve in the nursery with those little blessings. You know, uh, it's, uh, uh, we, we need to understand that Satan is going to make you feel really weak. And uh, I shared with the men this morning in Sunday school uh, my, my testimony, uh, how that, <coughs> excuse me, when I yielded to full-time Christian service, uh, when I yielded to preach, uh, I fought with God over that. I, I could not see how that could happen. Most everybody around me could not see how that could happen. Uh, I mean, I just had issues in my life that it couldn't happen. I just couldn't see it happen. And one was, I, maybe I've told you my testimony here before, I stuttered. I mean, I had an awful time with stuttering. And uh, I could make a conversation last a half hour that will be over in five minutes. I mean, that's just how, how, how bad I was. Till someone showed me, and I shared this with the men this morning. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men not after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and base things of the world, and things which are despised. Here it is, not man, hath God chosen Yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are. And here's the reason God wants to use someone who may be intimidated by Satan with these good words. You're not going to be the one glorified. It's not you that I'm trying to build up. This chapter closes out with God uses this kind of inferior person that no flesh should glory in his presence. In God's presence. For But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Uh, we need to be careful that we're not offended at ourselves. Be careful of pride. Be careful of intimidation. And the bottom line is this, folks. Here's the bottom line of everything I just said in this point is that Satan wants us to feel really bad about ourselves or he wants us to feel really good about ourselves. But the fact of the matter is God's got to be in the center of our life, and he can help us. And, and here's the last one uh, tonight. Uh, if we're going to have this abundant life, we've got to be careful that we're not offended at God, uh, that we're, uh, we're not offended at ourselves and the issues that we deal with, And thirdly, we've got to be careful that we're not offended at people. And that's easier said than done. I would ask you to say amen here, but it's mainly oh me. Because we all struggle with it. It, we we, We are so easily offended. We have a problem from the very beginning at birth. These little blessings, our grandkids that we love so much and and little Emma Jane that, that, that some of you have prayed for and how God worked a miracle in, in sparing her life when she was born at 24 weeks and one pound, two ounces. She's a miracle. And we're praising God for that. But you know what? One of the first things that little blessing learned to do? I mean, she would stick that bottom lip out. She was offended at me. She was offended at us. And you know, babies don't have to be taught how to be offended. We are born with a sinful nature that automatically causes us to have a spirit that is easily offended if we're not careful. As they grow older, we start hearing things like, He hit me, she looked at me, I mean, I could could make a list here. They start blaming each other for things that the other did not do. We have a son who's a pastor out in Texas. And Brandon, Emma Jane's dad, in Jacksonville. And they're twins. Most of you know that. And boy, raising twins is an experience in life. And I remember one morning when Patty was in the kitchen fixing breakfast. And Blake came toddling into the the kitchen, and his diaper was foul. I mean, it was really foul. And he looked up with all honesty that he thought we were going to accept and that he was going to get away with. He looked up at Patty and said, Brandon did it. (laughs) You know what that was? That was his little sinful nature shining bright as the morning sun that day telling us that he was ready to blame his brother for something that he had done and that all goes back to the nature that we have about wanting to blame somebody else for something that we've done. And aren't we living in a culture that likes to do that today and can be so easily offended? You know, Paul had such a good answer. Uh, to this formula for godly living, when he said in Acts 24, 16, And herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. What was Paul saying? Paul was saying something that you and I have got to accept and put into our lives tonight if we're going to truly enjoy this abundant life, and that is this. In order to be right this way, we've got to be right this way. And if we're not right this way, we're not going to be right that way. You see, Romans chapter 14 and verse 19 says, Let us therefore follow after things which make for peace, and things wherewith one may edify another. Uh, that um, You know what Paul had, had to learn When he said, I've got to work at this. I've got to exercise myself to have this conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. He had been mistreated a lot. I mean, he had been thrown out of town. He had been beaten till people thought he was dead. And yet he still had that kind of a spirit. What did Paul have in his life that you and I have got to strive with God's help? and with the Spirit of God upon us, and that is to learn how to forgive. And that's difficult sometimes. What is our attitude many times? said, well, I'll forgive you, but I'll not forget. Or if that's the last thing I do, I'm going to nail his hide to the barn door. That's how I'll forgive him. No, Paul had learned how to forgive. Someone answered the question, what is forgiveness this way? Forgiveness is surrendering my right to hurt you back if you hurt me. That's forgiveness. Uh, Mark Twain had a, you know, a, a very good mind for poetry and that kind of thing. I'm not sure if he was a saved man or not. But he said this, Forgiveness is the fragrance the violet sheds on the heel that has just crushed it. That's good, isn't it? And then another thought to consider when we think about this offended spirit and being offended by others, and I mentioned this briefly this morning with the men, is that what we see as an offense may be just a misunderstanding. And boy, does Satan like to take that ball and run with it, to do all that he can to take a misunderstood statement or something that happened and for us to be so offended that we lose fellowship with a good person. I read this story. Uh, A woman was between flights at an airport, and she had about an hour and a half and decided that she would spend time looking over the newspaper. She had a twinge of hunger, so she dropped by the snack bar and picked up a small package of cookies and sat down at a table to look over her paper. While she was reading she began to detect a small rustling sound, almost like cellophane being crinkled and torn. She looked over the top of the newsprint, and to her amazement, a well-dressed man sitting at the same table, a total stranger to her, was opening her cookies and helping himself. Flabbergasted, she didn't want to make a scene, So she just kept the paper up in front of her face and reached around and deliberately took the package of cookies and slid them toward her and took out one and began to eat it. About a minute passed, and to her amazement, she heard more crinkling of the cellophane. She looked around the paper, and the man, not looking at her, was simply eating another one of her cookies. Before she could reach over, and by now they were at the bottom of the stack, He looked uh, at the last cookie and broke it in two and with a frown slid it across to her side. He finished his half a cookie, packed up his briefcase and made his way down the terminal. Well, to say the least, she was fuming as she munched on her last half a cookie. Then she heard the call for her flight and began to make her way to the gate where she would board her plane. She needed her ticket, so she opened her purse, and to her shock, she saw her package of unopened cookies still in her purse. Somewhere in that same airport was a man still shaking his head, wondering how this strange lady had the nerve to eat part of his cookies. You see, oftentimes, what we see as an offense may be simply an understanding, misunderstanding. And here's here's a good thing that we need, and I'm hurrying to close tonight. Another thought is that people may not be bad, but just broken. One thing that that I have learned, um, Angela and the ministry over the years, is that hurting people hurt people. And I'm sure you have found that out as well with experiences in your life. But you know, that does not necessarily mean that they're bad people. They, they are people who, who just need help. Uh, I, am, I am wearing a watch that belonged to my dad. I, uh, my dad's been in heaven since 09. And uh, uh, <coughs> I take good care of this watch. And I remember the first time it's a battery-operated watch. I remember the first time it, it stopped running. I said, hmm, well, I guess that's it for this watch. Some people may have gotten mad at the watch, stomped on it, and said, Stupid watch, I don't need you anymore. Do you know what I did? I took it to a jeweler. And uh, she opened up the watch, said, Bad problem. I said, What's that? She said, Needs a new battery. So she carefully opened the watch, put a new battery in, cleaned it up some, And, you know, it runs just fine. We would do that for a watch. Why can't we do it for people? People that are not bad, but just need a little bit of care. Instead of an angry word, going back at an angry word, they get a little compassion. They get some care. And I'm the first one to tell you, That's not easy to do, is it? But you know, God expects us to do it. If we're going to have this abundant life that we've talked about today. I'll close with just one other quick story. It's about a preacher. And uh, he's in heaven now and preached all over the country. And he was preaching in Tampa one time. And and, uh, he had finished his meeting and had gone to the Tampa airport. The pastor had taken him there. And dropped him off. He always liked to get to the airport early so he wouldn't have to rush. Yeah, usually my wife's like that. She likes to be at the airport about eight hours before the flight. <laughs> and just kidding. And so he had some time to spend. So he, he went and bought a paper. And uh, he got the paper. And he noticed that on his way to get the paper, he saw a little cafe where he'd get a bite to eat. So he went back to that cafe, and there was this little lady standing there, and she was holding menus in her hand. And he went up to her, and she asked him if he would like to have a table. And he smiled at her and said, yes, ma'am. And she took him to a booth, to a table, and she asked him if he'd like to have a menu. He again smiled at her and said, yes, ma'am. Well, she left for a bit, came back, took his order, or was ready to take his order, and she asked him if he'd like to order. And he again said, yes, ma'am. Well, her face got red, and he knew something he had said had upset her, and the only thing he had said was, yes, ma'am. And she said, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am. Is that all you know how to say is yes, ma'am? He kind of hung his head and said, no, (laughs) ma'am. Well, she was angry, really angry. She stormed back to the kitchen, brought his food back, threw it on the table, never came back to help him in any way. And he sat there and Satan said, go to the manager and tell the manager how you're being treated here today. God said, boy, isn't this hard sometimes? God said, leave her a big tip leave her an unusually large tip. And he did. And he went up to the register to pay for his meal. He was still up there paying for the meal. When she comes up behind him there holding the tip that he had left, and she said, Sir, I believe you left this on the table by mistake. And he looked at her and said, Well, ma'am, do folks not tip at this restaurant? And her jaw dropped. And she said, you mean after the way I treated you in here today, you left me this? He kind of hung his head and said, yes, (laughs) ma'am. She exploded again, but this time it was tears, broken heart tears. And she said, mister, I don't know what makes you act as weird as you're acting, but would you have a few minutes to talk to me? She took her break. They went back to that same booth where he was mistreated, and he led that precious lady to Christ. Someone who was not bad, but was hurting. He left and was so thrilled over her trusting Christ. And uh, he walked down the airport for something else and had to come back by the restaurant. And there she was, out there with her menus. And he looked over at her and smiled and said, Are you feeling better? And she, with a smile from ear to ear, looked back at him and said, yes, (laughs) ma'am. Oh, listen. We are most like beasts when we kill. We are most like men when we judge. We are most like God when we forgive. A little word in kindness spoken, emotion or tear, has often healed a heart that's broken and made a friend sincere. Then deem it not an idle thing, a pleasant word to speak. The face you wear, the thought you bring, a heart may heal or break. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. God help us tonight to be careful. If we want this abundant life that we've talked about today, that we're careful that we're not offended at God, at ourselves. And we're not offended at people. And boy, what blessings can come our way. And to the lives of other people that God will give us the honor of being able to help in some way who may be hurting. And folks, there's a lot of hurting people today. God help us. Father, thank you for this time that we've had in your word tonight. And I pray, I pray in Jesus' name that we would be a people who are not easily offended. Help us, Father, to to truly, truly uh, look to the strength that we need beyond ourselves. Paul needed that extra strength when he dealt with Philemon. uh, And Philemon needed that strength uh, when they dealt with Onesimus. And Father, there are a lot of Onesimuses out there. And I pray that you'd help us to have strength beyond ourselves and that we truly can experience the joy of abundant life and one of the ways is not having a spirit that's easily offended. Father, we need your help to do that and we would beg for your help tonight in Jesus name I pray. Amen. It's been a joy to be with you today and I hope that in some way we've been a blessing you sure have been been a blessing to us. And uh Always honored to be able to be here. I want you to know that I come for things other than liver. (laughs) I come to be with you, and we come to be with you to be a blessing, and you certainly are. God bless you all. Thank you.